We've been waiting weeks, months even. I, in some ways, I feel like I've been waiting my whole life uh, to share this vision with you. And the vision is multiply. Something, something else comes together, boom, multiply. This is the way it's supposed to be according to Jesus' teaching here. And we see this in the story. One, we receive. Two, we invest. Three, we multiply. Growing deeper in our trust, growing deeper in our relationship with God individually and as a church is what is gonna make all the rest of it happen. The rest of the vision depends on us growing in faith. I've been saying this about this vision. I'm gonna keep saying it. The vision to multiply is not just about getting bigger as a church and having more and more. It is primarily about this, and it starts with this, getting deeper, us growing deeper, getting stronger. What does it look like to grow at Hosanna? It looks like an oak tree grove. It looks like people who are growing deeper, their roots are growing deeper and deeper into God's love. Jesus is more and more at home in their hearts and they are growing bigger and stronger and bearing fruit and providing shade in a world where people need shade and where people need to taste the fruit of God's love and forgiveness and hope and restoration. Well, good morning, everybody. Awesome to be with you. My name is Chris Gresseth. I'm the worship pastor here. I am grateful to be here with you. Anybody just have some joy in their heart because they're in church this morning? Anybody? I do. I do. I feel like that psalmist uh, in the Psalms, it says this, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I tell you, when we come together and we worship just as we have and like we are, it's a powerful thing. And I love being together like this. We're having a great season in the church. We're having a great season just in Minnesota in general. I, I don't know about you, but I, I just, I love the weather right now. Come on, 60 degree weather. Uh, it's, it's beautiful trees. Yeah, I, we loaded the, the family up in the car. We drove to Lake City. That is a beautiful drive. If you've never done it, you gotta do it. Minnesota, it's got it going on right now. Come on, the Vikings are five and oh. You're surprised I knew that. You know, I know that. Five and oh. And uh, if you're not excited about those, you got Halloween to look forward to. You know, and in our house, that's a big deal. Everybody's trying to figure out what their costumes are. Now, you, you might be looking at me saying, now, what do pastors, what did pastors dress up as, as children? Let me show you. Take a look. This is me, 1989. Check it out. It's coming. There's, right there. The light of the world, folks. That's what that is. The light of the world. I kid you not. Now, that says, Jesus, one billion watts. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, you see the, even the antennas. It's like the, the filament, you know. Nothing escaped us on this costume. I'm not sure how I was talked into this, you know. Uh, you know, a kid like that's going to turn out to be a pastor or something. So watch out what you put your kids into, you know. That's what I'm getting at. You know? And, uh, you know, Jesus said to be the light of the world. I'm pretty sure he didn't mean strap a light bulb on your back. But uh, nonetheless, Halloween's coming up. It's a great season in Minnesota. It's a great season in our church. We have launched a new series that is much more than a series. It is a vision. It is something we see. We call it multiplied. You know, it's really important that you have a vision for your life. Your life is a God-given potential. Right now, your life has a potential that God can use. Your life is God-given potential. What are you going to do with it? Where are you going to be informed to live your life? Where are you going to be informed to formulate a vision for what you see in the future? It matters. So much so that scripture says this, that without vision, people perish, people die. That this God-given potential in people dies because they don't see a future, because they can't envision what's out ahead of them. 
Contrast that with the scripture in Joel where it says, write the vision and make it plain so that others can run with it. Now contrast those. In one, without a vision, you die. In the other one, you run. Which one do you want? Running seems to me to be fully alive. I want to be like that. I, just, I want to live life like that, a life that just goes for it, a life that is, that is full. That, to me, sounds like a life that can envision something, that can envision where we're going. So who's going to form that vision? Who's going to inform it? Ah, the church has a unique way of doing that. We look at the person of Jesus Christ. And in this church, as the leadership got together and we started looking at Jesus' life and we started looking at his teachings, we were drawn specifically to this one teaching. It's called the parable of faithfulness. And you know what happened? God comes and he gives in this story. God, this is the teaching of Jesus. He comes and gives to the different people different talents or, if you will, different potential. And it's up to them to take that potential and multiply it. A few of them multiply it and double what God had given them. And there's this one guy who just maintains what he has. He says, yeah, you know what? All that potential, I'm just going to maintain it. I'm going to curate it. I'm just going to keep it close. You know what? That's not faithfulness. We learned as a church that through faithfulness, if we're going to be faithful, that means that we are going to grow, that we are going to multiply. I heard this phrase back a number of years ago on this story, and it's stuck with me ever since. Faithfulness is not maintaining. Faithfulness is growing. To take the God-given potential that is in you, that is in me, that is in this church, and to grow, to multiply it. As a church, we're talking about multiplying in four ways. This is what we feel God is leading us into. I want to remind you, to grow, number one. That's the first thing, to grow. That means grow down. To grow people before we grow churches. Grow people. Grow you and I. Let our root systems go down so that we can grow up and be healthy. Did you know healthy things grow? Healthy things begin to reach out. We've been using the example of a tree. The branches grow out and they bear fruit. Scripture talks about fruit of love. Fruit of joy, fruit of peace. Don't you want that in your life and in your community? I do. Scripture talks about the leaves on a tree that is growing in the righteousness of God as leaves that are for the healing of the nation. Do you think there's any nations that could use a little healing right now? It happens because something grows from Jesus. So number one, we're going to grow. And then number two, we're going to reach out. We're going to talk about that a lot today. Number three, we're going to reach out so we can empower the powerless. We're going to talk about that next week. That God wants to give strength to people, empower the powerless. And number four, we see this. We see a church that is unified. Not just this congregation that is unified, but all churches. We feel called to unify the South Metro Church. Let me ask you this question. How many churches are there in the South Metro? Oh, wow, this guy says over here. Yeah, there's a lot of them, aren't there? If you ask Google, you're going to get a certain answer. But if you ask Jesus... Jesus, how many churches are there? What do you think he's going to say? There's one church. Some of you know the answer. There is one church. And that's what we feel called to do, to start tying people together. Tie people together that we might unify people to live the first three. To say, come on, churches, let's grow together. Let's reach out together. Let's empower together. And I think as we do that as a group, our city is going to be a better place. I think there'll be a little bit more love in the world. Amen? A little bit more hope. So we're going to unify the churches. What, are, what is the church? The church is a unified group of people that unify themselves around Jesus. Now, there's many different expressions, if you will, of churches, but there's one whole church who belongs to Jesus Christ. And together, what we want to do is we want to be able to reach out to some 200,000 people south of the metro that are currently unchurched. 
I don't know about you, but that kind of stirs in my heart. When I hear that there's 200,000 people without a church home, I start thinking, where are they getting their vision for their life? Where, where do they go when they have a tough time? When they need shelter from the storm, where do they go? When they need hope, where do they go? That's what the church is for. The church, as a church, we say, come on in. We'll give you shelter from the storm. That's a Bob Dylan song. Did you know that? Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Anybody? Nobody knows that? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's the only time I'm going to sing today, folks. Okay? That's it. Shelter from the storm. The church, we're going to bring people in, give them shelter from the storm. Now, I'm going to, I want to stretch your vision a little bit. I want to see how far you can see. What do you see for this specific congregation? This specific expression of church right here, this congregation. What do you see? If there's 200,000 people out there, how can we be a part of saying, come on in? How can we reach out? You know, this church has had a long legacy for over 35 years of saying, we're going to reach out. When they reach out and when we invite people in, you know what happens? They grow. And when these people grow, the church grows. I want, I want to see if your vision can see this. Do you see a church as in Hosanna Church? Do you think that we can help another 800 people this year? New people. What would it take to do that? That would be about 10% of our church growing another 10%. I don't know about you, but I can, if, I, if I have my eyes of faith on, I can start seeing it. I have the passion for it. I think Jesus has the heartbeat for it. I think he wants to say, of those 200,000, I'm sure this congregation can at least get 800 more in. Anybody else believe we can do that? I think we can, to the glory of God. Young people, children, adults, all kinds coming in. Might that mean more campuses? Possibly. You know, a couple years ago, we really had this sense that God was calling us to go to Shakopee. You know, that was a, that was a place that, that had a large uh, number of people, part of, a large part of that 200,000 that were unchurched. And I'm so grateful that this church put on their eyes of faith, began to have vision to go out there and believe that God could use us in Shakopee. And this morning, there will be over 800 people worshiping in Shakopee that are coming in to receive shelter from the storm, so to speak, to have hope in their life. God is using Hosanna in that way. Anybody grateful for Shakopee Church in Lakeville? Or in Hosanna there. Me too. So will we have more campuses? Probably. We don't have any plans right now of where to go. But with our vision and with faith, we can begin to cultivate this. God, where would you have us go? We're willing to do anything. We're willing, God, because of what you have done in our lives, we are willing to show us. This church is a unique place. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to be a part of a church that has a vision for the future. How about your life? Where are you going to get vision for your future? We're going to look together at the person of Jesus, just like we have been the last three weeks. Today, we're going to talk about that second thing, reaching out. If we're going to see 800 more people added here, if we're going to see someday maybe more campuses to help reduce the number of 200,000 people, we need to look at the life of Christ and see what did he do? Did he have a heartbeat to reach the lost? Some of you are nodding your heads already. Yes, he did. What I want to do is I want to open the scriptures, and this is the plan for the rest of the day. We're going to open the scriptures to Luke 14. If you have your Bible, would you open it there? Luke chapter 14. And I'm actually going to put it on the screen as well. We're going to read the whole story uh, of the parable. This is the parable of the great banquet. That's why we have a table up here today. And uh, plus, I just want to make you hungry for brunch. Okay? 
And, uh, but we're going to read the story together. And what I'm going to ask us to do is something a bit unique because we're going to read it one time and I really want us to get it. So I've highlighted um, certain portions of the scripture in yellow. And I'm going to ask you to read those portions in yellow. I'll read what's in white. You read what's in yellow. The yellow happens to be the dialogue, the speaking parts. Okay? So here we go. Are you up for this? Okay. I'll start. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. And the first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. That's the story. That my house may be filled. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus gives us this story. This is a story, this is a teaching. Don't just think of it as a story. Think of it as a teaching. Jesus wants us to know these things. He's giving it to us. And it isn't just a teaching that he just said. It is something that he lived. All right? And, and I love that this is still recorded in Scripture because literally billions of Christians for 2,000s of years have looked at this story. And the Holy Spirit has spoken to Christians, to churches through this story for 2,000 years. And today the story comes to us. So let's look into it. Let's see what the Holy Spirit might say. It starts out, as you read, there's a guy, just a guy, who later is called the master of the house. The master of the house, he wants to throw a banquet. So we have here a table. Now, I think, I have a small table here, but I just, I picture that it was a much larger table and a beautiful setting. And I think the food was ready in the back to just come out. Matter of fact, it says that everything was ready. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. This is the very first thing that we learn. That the banquet is ready now. So is there anything we have to wait for for the banquet? No. It's ready right now. Do we need to wait for two years or five years? No. Everything is ready now. The master has prepared everything to be ready now. He's prepared food that is going to give sustenance, give energy to people. And when we're talking about the master, who is the master? I think it's okay to say this right up front since you read the story. You know that the master is God the Father. God the Father has prepared wonderful things for people. And he says, it's ready right now. You don't have to wait, folks. Come in. Come in to the banquet. So he says to the servant, I've sent out invitations. Go tell the people that it's ready. And the servant, he is awesome. He goes right to that first person and he says, hey, You got the invitation. Everything is ready. And what does this guy do? Gives up an excuse. 
And the excuse is something that I think we can understand. He says, ah, I bought a piece of ground. I just imagine that it was a piece of ground by a lake. You know, he's going to build a cabin on that thing. It's going to be gorgeous. I bought a piece of ground. And that's not bad in itself, but he says, oh, I can't come. I can't come now. Now, buying a piece of ground is a wonderful and fine thing to do, but the fact is, is that that buying, that vision that he had for his life, that thing of material, this material thing, stopped him from coming to the banquet. Now, that's the part that's wrong. That's the part that's like, oh, man, do you even realize what the banquet is all about? Do you realize that with this food, you'll, you'll live forever? Do you realize that with this food, you'll have the sustenance to live your life, the energy to live your life? Do you realize that here you'll have a hope and a future? He'd rather have his own vision for his life, so he went that way. Master came over to the second person, or excuse me, the servant came to the second person. He said, hey, everything is ready. You should come. What does he say? Well, I bought this brand new truck, you see. That's, that's, what, that's what five yoke of oxen would be like. All right? Instead of horsepower, it's ox power. Right? That means he can pull anything, he can go anywhere. He can even make money with those things. Oh, man, you wouldn't believe this truck, what I can do with it. Oh, man, I can do a lot of things. But I can't come to the supper. Sorry about that. Can't come to the supper. Again, a different vision for his life. Different priorities. And it left him out of the supper. Left them out of coming to the master's house. Number three, is, well, I love this guy. He's like, I, I, I can't come actually. I got married. I got to blame my wife. <laughs> that still happens today. You know? Oh, I can't. My wife got married. Can't do it. Now is getting married a great thing? Absolutely. It's wonderful. Right? It's wonderful. <laughs> no, it is. My wife's over there. No, I'm not that, babe. Okay. It's a wonderful thing. But that shouldn't stop you from coming to the party. Folks, this isn't like coming, coming to uh, a boring service or something like this. We are being invited, they are being invited into a meal with the master of the house, with the God of the universe. They have other visions for their life. They're not coming. So the servant, he comes back and he says, oh, Master, Master, uh, they're not coming. And the master is angry. Rightfully so. Look, he's prepared everything. The meal is ready. He loves these people. He wants to give them life and life abundantly. And so he says, servant, go out. Go out into the city. I think it's important that as we read this story that I think you probably saw this, that there seems to be kind of three different spheres or circles that the servant is sent to. The first sphere was to these, these people here who made excuses. These were people that that they had relationship with already. They had already sent an invitation to. These are the people that they knew. So this first circle of people that I know, that sphere. Then the next one that the servant's going to be sent to is the people in the city. city that they walk, the people that they walk by every day. But now they're going to extend the invitation to them. And then next it's going to be the people outside the city. I think you have a similar sphere in your life. You kind of have the people that are close to you and the people in your city that you see every day. And then you have this other sphere so keep that in mind as we talk through this. So the servant, I love the servant. I think he's the hero of the story. I think he's the one we should give the Oscar to because he doesn't argue. He doesn't say, oh, that's a lot of work. I don't even know these people. I mean, I walk by them, but come on, really, you want me to go to them? He doesn't put up a fight. Servant says, I love it. Let's do it. So he goes and he finds him over here. He finds a, finds a poor person. He says, uh, hey, do you, 
I got an invitation for you to come to supper. And this poor person says, well, I, I, you know, I didn't have any plans. This, and I don't have any money for this anyway. I, I would love to come. So sure, come on, let me show you. Come on over here. Come over here. Here, sit right here. Great, welcome. Welcome to the party. And he goes out and he, and he finds a maimed person. That's not a word we use very often, but it just means disfigured. Maybe this person isn't used to being talked to very often. They've been shunned a bit. The servant comes and says, hey, hey, uh, I have an invitation for you to come to a banquet. It's awesome. And the person reluctantly looks at him and says, me? Me? Yeah, you. We'd love to have you. We'd be honored to have you. Okay, sure. I'll come. He says, come on, come on, come on right this way. He, he again pulls another different chair and sets him down there. The servant goes back out and he, and he sees all of a sudden a lame person. And, you know, this, is the first, this story happened in the first century. This, this person was just probably sitting on the ground at this point. They didn't have wheelchairs and things like that. No, they were, they were probably sitting there, and they may have even been begging. And he comes and he says, hey, uh, I have an invitation for you. I'd love for you to come to a banquet. And he says, me? I beg for my food. I've I, uh, never been invited like that before. He says, no, really, I'd love for you to come. And the servant Upon the request of the man who said that he would come. Once he said he would come, the servant just got down. Because how's this guy going to get there? He doesn't have the legs to walk. The servant humbles himself. He gets down and he uses his strength and he picks up the man and brings him over. Pulls out a chair and sets him down. Pushes him up to the table and says, hey, welcome to the banquet. You're going to love it. Welcome. And he runs back out. He finds a blind person. Again, in the first century, they probably would have been begging. And he sees a blind person, he goes to them and he says, hey, hey, I, uh, I'm throwing a party. We, we, we would love for you to come. The blind person says, me? Yeah, you. I'd love to go, but I have nobody to take me there. How am I going to find my way there? I can't, I can't get there. No, no, really. I'd love, to, I'd love to lead you there. I'd love to take you there. Really? Yeah. Come on, come with me. And he takes him by the hand and he leads him over and takes him inside, sets him down. And now all of a sudden there's starting to be some people around this table and the servant says to the master, they're all here, they're here. But then something happens. This is why I love the servant. The servant is the hero. He knows the master so well. He knows the heartbeat of the master so well that he doesn't even have to wait for the master to say it. The, ma- the servant says this, but there's still room. I did what you said. I went to that second sphere, but there's still room here. And he doesn't have to wait for the master to say, go back out. What he does is he suggests there's still room. And it's like as if he's looking at him to say, and you want, you want, me, you want me to go? I'm ready, I'm, re- I'm ready. And then the master says, go. Go out to the highways. It's almost as if the servant was just waiting for the words. Like his servant wanted to do it. He knew that the heartbeat of the master was that his house was to be filled So the servant at the command go, he goes into all the world. He has to go way further than he's ever gone before. He has to go outside of the city. But the master had given him one piece of advice that he hadn't given him any other time. He said, this time when you you go, compel them. Compel them. See, in the first century, the people that were outside the city, the people that were by the highways and the hedges, if you will, they had been cast out of that city. So the servant walks up to, to the poor person outside the city and he says, hey, I would love for you to, to come to a party. We're having a party. Would you come? 
And the poor person says, where is it? Oh, it's inside the city. And he says, I'm not going there. I'm not going in there. Do you know what they did to me? There's no way I'm going there. And all of a sudden, the servant thought, this is why the master said I need to compel them. And he begins to, to say, no, really, the master of this house, yes, he lives in the city, but he is, he is different than anybody else you've met. No, trust me. Oh, he loves you. Yeah, I know you, I know you don't know him yet, but when you get to know him, trust me, you're going to love him. Everything is prepared. This meal, it's amazing. It, I, I know it's going to come down to you trusting me, isn't it? Would you trust me? Okay, you will? Okay, let's do it. Come on, come on. Brings him over. Sets him down. Pushes him up to the table and he runs back out. And he finds the main person. He says, hey, I've got an invitation for you. And the main person says, you know, no. Not going back in there. You know what they did to me? I gotta get out of there. I'm not taking a chance on that. He says, no, really. You can come just as you are. Main person says, listen, I don't have even the right clothes to wear. You don't need to, you don't need to dress up. You come as you are. Would you come? Would, would you trust me? You will? All right. Come on. Brings him over, sets him down, pushes him up to the table. Goes out even further from the city. He sees the lame man. He says, hey. Hey, do you need a meal tonight? Yeah, like I do every night. I've got, I'd love for you to go to an invitation to a party. Yeah, it's inside the city. Trust, yeah, I know what you're going to say. How am I going to get there? I, I'd love to take you. The man might say, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be carried. I don't, I don't want your help. No, I'd love to help. Honestly, I've, I even have practice. I'm good at this. I've done it before. You'll trust me. All right, come on then. And with it, he takes them. There's some people in life that you just got to walk with them. It takes more than just walking with them. You have to carry them through tough times sometimes. You set them down. Lastly, same with the blind. Now it's not too far for you. Trust me, I'll show you how to get there. And he leads them by the hand. And now the table is full. The house of God is is full. The house of the master is full. What joy it must have brought to the master to see the house full because he loves these people. He loved them before they ever knew who he was. He had been preparing for them for years. And here they were now in the house. How grateful the master must have been. And thank God for the servant who led him here. Give the, give the servant the Oscar. Give him the reward. In a way. You know, I think of like, why would the house need to be full? Think about it, think about it with you at the holidays. You know, for me, I, you know, I go to my grandparents' house. And they don't care what I dress like. They just want the house full. They want the people that they love there. And you know, they'll call me and say, hey, it's happening on, the, on such and such a day at this time. Would you come? Would you come? Oh, you need a ride? Sure, I'll, I'll give you a ride. I'll give you a meal. Whatever it takes, just come. I want you home. The master feels the same way. But this meal is going to change their lives. They no longer are on the low side of the totem pole. They now are seated at the banquet with everybody else. They now have a place in life. 
They have shelter from the storm. And if you know God like I know God, don't you know that he has a plan for them? See, the the ones that made excuses, they could have come to the table, they could have sat down, and they could have said, you know what? I bought a piece of ground. And the mastermind said, that's awesome. What? (laughs) That wouldn't have happened. (laughs) So you bought a piece of ground, huh? Yeah, yeah, I bought a piece of ground. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. What do you think I should do with it? I bet the master would have a plan for him. I bet the master would say, you know, I know so-and-so, and and they'd be able to help you. And if you got partnered with so-and-so, you wouldn't believe what could happen with that piece of ground. The same thing with the yoke of oxen. Hey, do you realize the potential you have there? No, I never had thought about that. See, if they would have brought that to the table, it would have changed their life. How about with the marriage? If they would have come and just said, you know, if he would have said, you know, I just got married. Do you mind if I bring my wife along? The master would have said, yes, bring her here. You both sit here. Do you think the master would have had some good things to say about their marriage? Do you think the master could have spoken some life into their marriage? Think he'd spoken some healing and some hope and restoration and some future into their marriage. Giving him a vision for their life. I bet he would have. They had a different plan. Now why did Jesus tell us this story? The reason Jesus told us this story is because he himself was at a banquet. Now we didn't read this part, but you can read it later. It's, in, it's the beginning of Luke chapter 14. We read kind of the middle portion. But the beginning goes like this. Jesus, now this is not a parable. This is, this is the real life of Jesus. Jesus was a real person. This story really happened. It's recorded for us so that we can study it and learn from his life. So we've learned from his teaching now, but now we're going to learn from his life. This is what happened. Jesus was invited to come to a party in Jerusalem. The big wig of the town had invited him. Probably because he knew that Jesus was a miracle worker and Jesus was really popular. So he invited Jesus. And this leader, predominant leader of the city, as they were walking into the house, he passed by a man who was sick, who needed to be healed, who needed to be helped, who didn't have a meal. He walked right by him. And Jesus did not walk right by him. Jesus stopped and reached his hands out to him. And he healed that man. Jesus wouldn't walk by him. Jesus reached out to him. And then it came time to be at the table. So Jesus sat down at the table. And he noticed that everybody else that this particular leader had invited was jockeying for a position around the table. They wanted to sit by the head of the table. They wanted to sit by this predominant leader, all jockeying for position. And and, and you can read it. Jesus just couldn't take it anymore. Jesus finally spoke up. He said, hey, hey, guys. When you go to a party, don't jockey for position as if you're going to have a reward in this, as if you're going to try to get something out of this. No, take the low place. Be the servant. Be the servant. And then he turns to the person, and I think this takes guts, I think this takes authority, but Jesus knew the heart of this person and he knew exactly what he needed. And he said this, when you throw a party, sir, Don't just invite your big wig friends. Invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. If you only live for this life, this life will be your only reward, sir. But if you live for the life of others, great will be your reward in the resurrection. 
What's he saying? He's saying you can live for this life right now or you can live for eternity. And then he says, let me tell you a story. And the story was what we just talked about. And the very first people in that story were people that made excuses. The people that made excuses, it wasn't because they didn't believe that the master had something planned. It wasn't that they didn't hear the voice of the master. It's that they just didn't act. This leader, he knew what to do. He, he believed in who God was. He even had studied, it says he was a religious leader. He knew what the scripture said, but he just wouldn't act. He wouldn't reach out. But Jesus is different. Our Lord and Savior, if you're a Christian, he's different. He levels the playing field. He invites us all in. How many of you are grateful that he invited poor you, lame you, blind you? Yes, that's my life too. He invited us to the table. He invites us to the table. And then he says to his followers, now you go. Do you remember the Great Commission? He says, you go. You go into all the world. And he gives us this promise. You will receive power that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That word power is the same word that we get dynamite from. You are going to receive dynamite power to reach out and to be my witnesses. You will reach out and you will bring people to the table and you'll see my power at work at the table if you will just reach out. This wasn't just something that Jesus asked us to do. It was something that he taught us and something that he lived. Jesus lived this way all the way unto death. What's the most famous picture of Christianity? It is the cross where Jesus reached reached out churches through the ages have said we should live in a cruciform way a dying to our old desires there Mr. Head of the Table let's die to that desire and live for the life of others live in a cruciform way I don't know about you but I want to be like Jesus I want to reach out. I want to see people's life elevated. I want to see them seated at the table. I want to see their life renewed. I want to see hope restored. And I believe the church has the answer. It's Jesus Christ. In closing today, there there is a prayer that I would love us all to pray. It's a prayer that I pray pretty regularly in, in a morning liturgy that I do. And I want to commend this prayer to you. I want to show you this prayer. I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to, I'm going to just read it for us once, and then I'm going to ask you to say it with me. If you want to reach out, if you want to be like Jesus, this is a prayer that will form us. It says this, Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit, that we, reaching forth our hands in love, They bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. I want you to pray this with me. Would you stand up with me right now, right where you are? Maybe maybe through the course of this morning, somebody's name in one of the circles of influence that you live in has come to your mind that you need to reach out to, that the Holy Spirit's saying, come on, reach out. I want you to have them in your mind right now. Oftentimes when I pray this prayer, I pray it with my hands open, if you will, in a cruciform way. If you're open to that, would you just, if you want to reach out to people, would you just kind of reach out your hands like this? And if you want to opt into this, would you say this with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. 
So clothe us in your spirit that we reaching forth our hands in love may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Lord, you see us just as we are. God, thank you for inviting us to the table. The joy in the master's house. Thank you for that. But Lord, we also hear your call to say to be the servant. God, we want to reach as you reached. We want to live life like you lived. Would you empower us by your spirit to do that? Give us a vision for that, Lord. May we multiply, God. May this church, God, live your life in a powerful way with dunamis, dynamite power by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 I want to ask you the question I asked you right away at first. Does anybody have some joy in their heart this morning from being at church? Okay. Me too, me too. I want to bless you as you go out. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you as you reach out. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.